Welcome to Prickly and Blooming, hosted by Jesse Browning and brought to you by LaJoy Society. At age 35, Jesse theoretically adored her life. She was a mama to four children and owned multiple businesses with her husband. But without an ability to cope or care for herself, an isolating darkness crept in. Through reckless self-care, therapy, and lots of candor, Jessie found her joy again. She has created LaJoy Society to embolden others to do the same. Each week, we will meet a woman who has an authentic story to share. Undoubtedly, Jessie will be sharing her big heart, unusual life, and countless theories with you along the way. Now, here's Jessie. Hello, everyone. It is Wednesday again, and I have an awesome guest to tell us her story. And I just want to remind everyone that we have a couple more episodes before we take a break for June. So if you need to catch up on old episodes, June would be a good time to do that and go listen to some stories. I'm so excited, and it's late at night, and our, our kids are hopefully sleeping. And here we are, two moms that are going to, we're going to have some uh, story time here. Hello, Wendy. Hi. Hi. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, my name is Wendy Slinkard, and um, I am a Minnesota mom. I live in a rural community here in Minnesota with my husband and our four kids. And um, I guess my story, how we got here, is I grew up in Minnesota. We actually both did. And about two hours from here, my husband and I both grew up in the same town and went to school, college, all that in Minnesota, um, got married while we were still living here, had our first child here. And then I had just graduated from chiropractic school. So practicing as a chiropractor and he was uh, just finishing up medical school at that time when we got married. And then, like I said, we had our first child and um, then he was matched into the orthopedic program out in Detroit at Henry Ford Hospital. So we picked up our three-month-old baby and moved to Detroit, which was really frightening at the time. Yeah. What year was this Um, again? So that would have been 2011. Okay. Okay. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I was like, nobody moves to Detroit. (laughs) I have a friend who just just moved there last year, I think. (laughs) Well, I ended up falling in love with our little community. Mm -hmm. We actually lived about 15 minutes out of downtown in a a town called Berkeley. And um, anyway, so we spent five years there. And then um, we're able to come back to Minnesota, which was sort of always the plan to uh, try to head back this way when he got a job here. So as an orthopedic surgeon. So that's how we ended up here. And um, we had had our second baby out in Michigan. I was pregnant with number three when we moved here. So I didn't go back to chiropractic. I practiced for five years out in Michigan. And then we moved here and I decided to stay at home and then just had baby number four. Uh, back in September. So that's my story. You are in the thick of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not far off of those years. Uh, my youngest is five now. So it's not, it's, it's a memory, but it's not a distant memory. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so we like to, you know, start the show with, you know, the, I call it like just not this moment or this can't be my life or, you know, just whatever euphemism for, you know, uh, the moment that you can kind of identify and you usually can't identify in the moment. It's usually, you know, past tense. You can be like, oh, that's when everything changed. Do you have a moment like that to share with everybody about your story? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I made, I have recently made several big changes in my life. And I, I did, I thought a lot about this question because you do, you kind of expect it to be this big thing. And sometimes it is. And those stories are cool too. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it is just something little. It's just a moment. Mm -hmm. And so I really thought about the catalyst for all of the changes that I've made so far. And I think where I'm headed was when I quit drinking. Mm. And what's important, I I really, like you said, I said, I wanted to almost come up with some grand, (laughs) like, you know, rock bottom moment, but there wasn't one. But I think that's almost just as important to tell this story because I want at least one of my messages to be that 
there doesn't have to be a rock bottom. And so the moment for me, I can remember, I, well, I know we're going to go backwards a little bit um, here in a moment, but I remember my drinking was getting progressively more and I was almost looking for a reason to stop. I, you know, there wasn't the rock bottom and a doctor didn't say, hey, you should cut back or quit drinking. My family members didn't have an intervention. It was nothing like that. But then I got pregnant. And I remember feeling so relieved that I had a reason to stop drinking. And while I was pregnant, we went and visited some friends. And we were sitting in the evening having, I was having a sparkling water. And my friend was having a, I, I know it was an adult beverage, um, a beer or whatever. And I don't even know how we got into talking about it. Probably something where I had mentioned, you know, I'm kind of glad to just have a reason to take a break from Mm -hmm. alcohol. Mm -hmm. And she kind of was, even though she was sitting having a drink and the guys were having a drink and whatever, she was like, you know, I know what you mean. It kind of turns into, well, Friday and Saturday turn into Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And she's at home more with her kids and, so what's a, what's a Monday night? And so we kind of had this little heart to heart about how she was feeling the same way and had mentioned that a friend of hers had told her about a book. I don't know if you've read This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. Oh, I haven't. I'm going to write down them. I'll put it on your list. Okay. And she said, my friend read this book and it's about controlling alcohol or controlling your consumption. And this friend of hers had she quit drinking altogether and she had read this book. So this friend of mine hadn't even read the book, but she had told me about it. Mm-hmm. I'm an impulse shopper. So I <laughs> like literally I'm on, on my phone on Amazon, Amazon. <laughs> yep. ordered it up, read it. And that was it. I read the book and it was like, that was the moment I read the book and it all made sense to me. And, and really what the book talks about is right. How you don't have to hit rock bottom and, Maybe alcohol is just not serving you and here's what it is and here's what it isn't. Um, and everything you think it's doing for you, it's probably doing the opposite. You know, like you think it's taking stress away, but really the stressors are still there and they're probably worse because you've ignored them. And it uses science and data and personal stories. Great book. Yeah. So, Oh my goodness. I'm going to read that. That was, yeah, read the book. And I was like, this makes total sense. This, you know. Drinking just isn't serving me, even though I've not, I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. I, I've never had a DWI. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, that was sort of the moment. And then I kept that in my mind. So I'm pregnant. So I'm not, I'm sober anyway. Right, right. So then it was, besides that, then it was also following the pregnancy and thinking about what I had read and testing it out, sort of, you know, like, was that a fluke? Was I, do you know what I mean? Is, yeah, is this yeah. really how I feel about alcohol? Because now I can drink again. And again, you come out of a pregnancy and you go out to eat and my favorite bartender is going, well, Wendy can have a beer again. You know, what? Yep. let me bring you the list. That's what he normally does, you know, because he knows I want to look at the beer. And I, there were three, I think three occasions where I did. I tested the waters a little. I ordered a drink. But I drank about maybe a third of each one. And every time... I would just sort of set it down, think about how it was making me feel. I didn't really like it. And you know, your tolerance is gone. Yep. So I'm not liking how I feel. And I keep thinking about the words that, you know, from the book. And then it was sort of that secondary moment was when I finally put down my last drink and decided, no, this was real. This was not just, you know something I was thinking about doing because I was pregnant and I wasn't drinking it. No, this really isn't serving me. So it was a very sort of that moment when I quietly committed to myself mm-hmm. then, you know, that, that enough was enough. And I yeah. just stopped drinking. That was in October. So. Yeah. That, I, I love that. And I know exactly what you're saying. Like I, I think you're in the, you know, paperwork when I send people is like it's sometimes it's a big thing and sometimes it's a little thing. And that's a perfect example of sometimes it's just like this moment of clarity in, and being present enough to know that it was a moment of clarity, you know, that, right. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it was kind of like, like I said, the book is one thing and it's great, 
but it's one person, you know, and you're going to get all kinds of sides to the story, right? Whatever the topic is. So it was not just, first it was reading the words and having something click, but then making sure that those words rang true for me and making the decision on my own, you know, getting educated first and then deciding for myself. Right. Which is so wise, which is so wise to be able to think for yourself and not just take like a, you know, somebody else's word for it. And, and it's interesting that you talked about being pregnant because I, I was one of those women that was like glowy and loved being pregnant and I felt really great. I had morning sickness, but like I loved it. And looking back now, I'm like, I wonder if it was the sobriety. Sure could have been part of it. Sure could have been. Sure could have been part of it. Like, I mean, stress, pimples. My, my <laughs> skin was always so clear, you know, when I was pregnant. I mean, that's hormones. and But just I had that glow. And, you yeah. know, I've, I've often wondered, like, I wonder if that was a little bit of sobriety involved. And, you know, being pregnant those times, that was the only, like, sober times I had since I was 18, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely felt, like I said, relieved that I had a reason to not drink, which is crazy because you don't need a reason to not drink, but it feels like you do in, in our society, at least, um, at least around here. And I'm sure that's for a lot of people. Uh, I want to, yeah, I want to go back and, and find out how you got to, you know, that, that day and that like what life, um, was like when, um, before that before that. So I guess if you want to, like you said, like we'll go backwards. Oh, and I should be clear. I don't want to present. I do have drinks occasionally. I am not sober. I call myself sober adjacent. <laughs> like I have two a month less than the, we have a boat. So maybe I'll have something we go on the boat, sure. but I don't want people being like, wait, she's talking like she's sober. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> if you want to um, bring us back, like what got you to, to that um, moment of clarity? Yeah, so I thought a lot about that too. And I think a lot of it stems from the moves that I talked about and the shifts in, in my role, you know, in our family and my husband's and my relationship. And when we lived in Michigan, like I said, I was fairly new into practice. I had been practicing for a few years since 2008. And then we moved out there in 2011. And so while we were there, I mean, he was, we were both working, obviously, but I guess I felt like my career was really, and it was really critical to that time because even though I wasn't making tons and tons of money, I was contributing in a way that was helping, you know, him be able to do residency and um, which again, you get paid for, but it's, it's not much. I was helping to buy groceries. I was, you know, I was Dr. Slinkard in Michigan. I had patients that, um, you know, loved me. And I actually had during that time a clinic that I didn't own, but I took over as a satellite clinic and helped to build that practice. So that was a huge sense of my a sense of identity for me, right? Like, so I was, I was important in the community and I was a doctor and I was a professional and an educator. And that was my identity. And that, and I had, worked really hard to earn that title and to be able to do those things. And so I'm certain that the sort of downward spiral or trend, I don't even know if spiral, but um, happened then when we moved back to Minnesota because I completely lost that identity as, you know, doctors like like I still we've been here for almost four years and people are like I didn't know I didn't know you were a chiropractor I didn't know you were a doctor um and that was hard for me even though I mean I want to be clear this was the agreed upon dynamic I mean thank goodness for my husband he he puts up with me but he also when we moved back here he said you know I know you like being a chiropractor, but he goes, I've never seen you so stressed either. And that's true. So when we moved back here, he said, just, if you want to just take some time and think about what you really want for once, instead of feeling like you have to work or whatever. Um, because when we were in Michigan, I was really proud of my work, but I had to work, but we couldn't afford for me not to. Um, so he said, take a minute. So bless his heart. And I said, you know what? I want to be at home with the kids. And like I said, we're talking about having four kids. 
I couldn't imagine, you know, doing anything else. And I know there are moms who have three, four, five, six kids and they go to daycare. And I think that's awesome too. So, but for me, I really wanted to try being a stay at home mom. But I know that I lost a big chunk of my identity when that happened. So I don't regret it. I don't want to make it sound that way, but it just was a huge shift for me. And I didn't really know who I was anymore. And um, so I think I let that sort of take over. And as time went on, um, yeah, like I said, you know, I think I just would use drinking as like my me time or my, you know, a you know, we'd sit, my husband and I would have a drink. And actually, since, since I've stopped drinking, he's, he's, he's more like you were once in a blue, you know, if we're having friends over, he'll have a drink, but he's cut down tremendously where he hardly ever has a drink. But at the time, you know, we'd sit down together in the evening. That was our time. And it just progressed from there to eventually, it wasn't just my husband and I sitting down to have one drink. It'd be, okay, I've put the kids to bed and now mom's going to sit and have two drinks or three drinks. And then the next morning, you know, well, I don't have anywhere to go. So who cares? Except for it turned into a situation where, I mean, I obviously didn't neglect my children, but with a hangover, you're not fully present. Or if you just, even if it's not, you know, a hangover, even if it's just a headache or you just are tired, I would just kind of be going through the motions and waiting for nap time so I could take a rest. I just wasn't myself anymore. So, and, and it happened over time to where, right? Like you barely even notice it. But like I said, you know, back in Michigan, if we had a drink on a Saturday night, maybe, and then all of a sudden it was three, four nights a week. And instead of one or two drinks, it was two or three or four. And I just, didn't like where things were going. And um, and then I'm trying to think of the timeline. Not long after we moved back, then my um, my dad had a stroke. My mom had a medical scare, um, but it was the first time, you know, since we had been back and my parents, you know, you're not ready for that. Yeah, you're entering that time, the now we're caring for children and we're caring for parents. You've entered into yeah. that that bookended time. Yeah. So the, the stroke was a big scare and he actually ended up in the hospital. And this was something, right, I hadn't really navigated before. Um, and I found myself using alcohol to cope with that big time. So that was one of the major moments where, like I said, it, there wasn't a specific rock bottom, but if we're talking about like major moments where, you know, I'm definitely having too many drinks, that was definitely part of that. Um, so again, now I'm using it as a coping mechanism too. So I could just see this sort of going downhill and like I said, almost waiting for somebody to tell me to stop waiting and nobody did to the point where I was afraid if I get pregnant, I thought for just a minute, am I going to have a hard time quitting? Mm. And thankfully I did not. And I know there are resources, you know, for that, but I thought, am I going to struggle because I hadn't gone without alcohol at that point for more than a couple maybe a couple days, right? So there'd be a few days during the week where I wouldn't drink. And I, I wasn't drinking in the morning or all day, but yet I thought, am I going to like struggle? And I didn't. It was very easy to know that, okay, I'm pregnant and that's that. But yeah, that, I don't know if that kind of explains, but I think that was where this had all sort of started was that loss of identity and then coping and um, kind of got me up to that point. So I think what you said also about like being home, you had the like, well, I've got nowhere to go, you know, yeah, kind of that uh, expectations. And I think that this is at the same time as like mommy culture, I've talked about this and I think I've written about it a little bit, was like on the upcline, like incline, upcline. <laughs> it's like, that's not right. It's not an upcline. The incline of like embracing the mommy needs wine, you, you know, the cups and the, you know, the social media was also on the rise of, of like memes and funny things. And, and it all kind of went, you know, together of like, you know, mommy's juice. And, and, you know, I had a wine glass that was mommy's juice. My mom gave it to me. And I loved it, mom, if you're listening, but <laughs> it did break. But I think that now um, as, as trends kind of go, we're kind of pulling that back a little bit. And I'm so happy to hear, you know, stories like yours and other women's I've shared where we're all like, wait a second, there's, 
there's a problem, you know, <laughs> like we're, we're not c- coping very well with this sometimes. And, you know, yeah, we're you know drinking a bottle of wine on a Tuesday night while we're making dinner. And, and it, it starts by talking about it honestly. And so I really appreciate you sharing with us. And, and I think it's that just exactly what you said is so poignant of like, I didn't have to get to this nasty big bomb of a bottom. Like it can be enough that it's a problem without that, you know, like, and I think it's always the intention behind it, right? Are you coping with it? Are you trying to, you know, um, escape with it? You know, like what is, what's behind it, you know, of any sort of coping mechanism, I guess. And that was exactly it, you know, and I always, I've said too, it's, it's one thing if you want a glass of wine, but right, when you see I need, I need a glass of wine. I need the alcohol. It's like, what, right. What are you not dealing with? You you don't need alcohol. And if you do, then there's a bigger problem. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And I think, so mine, um, I know that when I was like a stay at home mom for a couple of years, I did all I worked, I worked in their daycare, brought them to work, you know, then I stayed home. And then when I stayed at home, I also suffered from the loss of identity and uh, we owned a business and, and that was gone. And well, it wasn't gone. That, that role for me was gone. And I also reverted back and like, I was just losing my joy. And I, I reverted back to the last time I could remember. And that was being like 20 something and carefree and living in Austin and drinking for sport then I feel like you know I went back right, to right. Like, <laughs> I went back to the most basic like joyful time and that's what it was was overly identified with drinking and I didn't know anything else and I also made mom friends that way you know right. yeah yeah did you have the similar experience did you um, create you know friendships with their moms based around like maybe happy hours or stuff like that yeah I mean it's interesting. I looking back, yeah, kind of. Um, and it's a funny time to to be to be sort of exploring <laughs> sobriety because now we're in quarantine and I'm not going anywhere anyway. So it'll be interesting to see when we sort of come out of this if or how this changes those friendships or those relationships. I would like to think, and and thus far, we just don't talk about it much. I'm not going to say that my friends are super like excited for me or my variety, <laughs> or, um, and I'm not going to say that they're like against it or negative about it either. It's like we don't talk about it much. Although I've had a few moms reach out or ask questions, which I really appreciate. Um, and actually a friend of mine has since uh, quit drinking as well. So I, I don't know, that didn't really answer your question. So I mean a little bit, but I, I'm hopeful a little bit to where we would be. Yeah, we're meeting up at a brewery or we're, we're um, I actually organized a big bus to take us out to a winery. Although that was funny too, now that I think about it, I remember I had invited somebody that I didn't know really, really well. And another, it was a, it was a winery and they make these handmade pizzas. And I remember that I had invited another gal and a friend of mine said, well, she doesn't drink. And I said, well, does she eat pizza? Like she can still come. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so I never, I, I don't, if I had an experience like that, if people aren't inviting me because I'm sober, I don't know about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so we've definitely had, you know, activities that were out at places and everybody's having a glass of wine and, you know, aren't you going to have one, that kind of thing. But I haven't really, I don't know yet, but um, yeah. So I, like I said, I, I'd like to think that even though, yes, there's been drinking. I do have another good friend that she'll have a drink, but she's, she wouldn't be somebody to push me like that. Or, yeah. so I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I used to go out, you know, with my friends and we were in a small town so we could walk and we'd walk home. Um, but I had a friend who, she wasn't a mom, but we would often um, get together at night. And so she helped me really identify, you know, alcohol and how we relate to it and all that because her sister was killed by a drunk driver about 10 years ago. So, you know, in, you know, in the last five years of me, like 
changing my life and doing all these new things is when, you know, her and I would, we'd go out, we each, you know, she, same thing, has like a drink every once in a while. Obviously, you know, her sister being killed by a drunk driver changed her relationship. You know, she was actually never much of a big drinker, but, you know, we, having that perspective was also good for me to have too, you know, in my, in my thoughts for myself of like, what am I doing with drinking, you know? What is really going on here? Yeah. Anyway, so um, I feel like we had a little background. We're kind of like, you know, got to a moment where you're like, I don't sure this is what I'm going to do. And I know it was, you know, back in September, which seems like 17 years ago <laughs> because time is so wonky right now. Um, <laughs> you know, did you, um, have you like employed any techniques? Like do you do uh, journaling, yoga, meditation? What you know, a therapy, um, AA meetings, uh, like what I, I love to know. And so we can share our knowledge with other um, women of like, what are you using? If anything, maybe not, maybe it's, you know, you could be like, I made the decision. I'm done. You know, I did that with uh, smoking when I was like 20 something. I was like, done. That was it. Cold Turkey. So anyway, it fills in on what, you know, after you decided to change. So yeah, for the most part, it's been pretty cold turkey. However, I am big into health in general. So, you know, not only did I look at alcohol from a perspective of how is it serving me or not serving me, but also like, what is it doing to my body? And, um, and I've kind of latched onto that. And, you know, there's another book that I read now I'm trying to think, um, quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker that I read. That's another one. It's interesting because it touches on some of the similar things that Annie Grace had talked about, but it gives a more of a feminist perspective on alcohol or, and it talks more about like the mom wine culture and that sort of thing. Um, so education, you know, reading these books and remembering why I made the decision in the first place is helpful. And then I'm big into health documentaries and there's at least one that talks about, you know, alcohol specifically but then a lot of if you watch just general health documentaries a lot of them will mention you know like alcohol is something we're putting into our body and it's not good for us and it's just been part of the culture but it really isn't healthy as as much as people you know want to talk about red wine being healthy and that type of thing it's like well the well the benefits that you can get from a glass of red wine you can probably get elsewhere without the side effects of the alcohol we could we could get into arguments probably with people on that maybe, but, or, you know, one glass is one thing, but a bottle is another thing. But, um, so I, I focus on my health and I exercise, I move my body at least 30 minutes every day, even if it's just sticking the kids in the stroller and going for a walk. And that's certainly helpful. I would love to tell you that I have a brilliant morning routine down. <laughs> but that has gone. Two no, you still have back. a you still have a baby. You still have a baby. Right. No, it's you still. My, <laughs> it's on my life goals list. If I had one of those, so I try to journal. I have the um, I use the Start Today Journal from Rachel House. Yeah, yeah, and so I think, and not that anybody needs this, but it's really simple. <laughs> it doesn't take yeah. very long, and I'm not good with just a blank piece of paper. It turns out, so I use a prompted journal. Um, Again, I'd like to tell you that's every day, but I like the idea of journaling. I try to meditate or at least breathe. And even if it's, I've got my Apple Watch, um, I just held it up as a Yeah, yeah me too. Um, but I, I did it to you too. We can describe. <laughs> we go. both did it. Yay. <laughs> um, so it tells me when to breathe and I try to at least do a few minutes of just mindful breathing every day. And, and I try to make, you know... I try to give myself an experience to replace the one that I thought alcohol was giving me. And I'll even do, I have a favorite non-alcoholic beer. So even for people who say, well, I like the taste. It's funny because you probably had to learn how to like the taste. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I tried beer. Yeah, nobody likes it the first time. No, No. (laughs) that wasn't an automatic thing. But but I do like like a summer beer or a week or so. I found, you know, like a non-alcoholic version of that. And I will sit and sip on that in the evening or just my bubbly water or sparkling water in a, in a wine glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. I'll even pour it in a fancy glass if I'm feeling fancy. Um, 
you know, and still take that time for myself and sort of recreate that, what I thought was the positive experience, but just the positive parts about it, minus the alcohol. Right. Yeah. Just even get the cup, take the time to sit outside, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I remember my husband and I did that when we quit smoking. We would go sit outside for 15 minutes just so that we continued to sit outside, you know. And And have that break time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the break time. It's the mental break time. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. So now, you know, um, I know that you just still have a baby, but I think that from what I know a little bit about you, that this, um, you have a new kind of direction. You're, you're not a chiropractor anymore. Do you think you'll do it again someday? Well, so what's interesting about that is I always thought that I would. And now I'm not saying that I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm moving further away from that. Um, because I always thought that I would, it's a complicated story, but, but I didn't, (laughs) I didn't maintain my Minnesota license and and I didn't realize, and at the time I just should have kept it, but I didn't know. We moved to Detroit. We were broke. I literally couldn't even afford the $200 fee or whatever it was. Let it lapse. Got my Michigan license thinking we'll come back here. It'll be no problem to get my license. Well, it turned, and then, and then had a baby and moved back and forgot all about it. Didn't bother with it. And then just actually after my fourth was born thought, you know what, if I'm going to get my license back, I better just do it. And there was an opportunity, a potential opportunity for some fill in work, which actually it probably wouldn't have panned out anyway. But, um, so finally started to do the legwork to figure out what it would take. And it turns out it was much more complicated and time consuming and expensive than I had planned. And that's okay. But when I looked at the sheet of paper that listed out, right, all the things that I had to do and the continuing ad I had to make up and the fees I had to pay, I literally had like a breakdown. And I went to my husband. I said, I didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be this difficult. I'm not excited about this. This makes me stressed and not excited. And he just looked me in the eye, God bless him, and said, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And I said, okay. And I put it away. And a little, and a little frightening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a little, yeah, scary. Um, and, and a little sad too, to feel like you put in all this time and all that money. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, however, you know, it's not for not, you know, I've, I learned so much from my time as a chiropractor and I still have a passion for health and helping people. So now, now what? Oh, well, um, right now I do, um, I do just a little side hustle. I sell jewelry, which has nothing really to do with healthcare, except for it brings a little, <laughs> a little sparkle to people. So I do that for fun. Um, and then I do teach, um, a hit class at our local YMCA. So I'm teaching fitness again, just once a week on my own terms, on my own schedule. And I decided, then beyond that to start my um, Instagram page, which which we found each other through that. And more in line with, so I had an Instagram page and it was mostly just, you know, cute pictures of my kids, which is great. But I started the secondary page. Um, <laughs> I'll call it a business page. There's no business yet, yet. But I wanted some platform that aligned more with just what we've been talking about. Since I quit drinking, I have also quit sugar. That was a huge step in my health. And like I said, um, sort of put away the the notion of getting my chiropractic license back at least anytime soon. And decided I need somewhere to talk about the things that were really important to me and maybe help people or inspire somebody along the way, uh, particularly women, moms, you know, um, people who are looking to to improve their health, take back their health, and and do it in a way that's not so complicated yeah. without so many, you know, there's so many rules and diets and you just can get so caught up, but it can be simple. So the goal of the page was to sort of so- showcase my lifestyle and, like I said, and teach and um, as a doctor and educator in a new way. And from there, time will tell. You know, I don't know what it's going to be yet. I just want to be open to possibilities. I do feel like 
I'm heading in some sort of direction. I just don't know what it is yet. You know, is it writing? Is it blogging? Is it writing a book? Is it doing a podcast? I don't know yet, but I know I like the idea of, you know, being a presence that can can inspire and, and help people. I just, I'm on the road to figuring it out and I'm trying to be patient yeah. <laughs> with that process <laughs> and uh, and sort of see what the universe brings me. And here you are. So that yeah. is a thing. <laughs> I know. That was so funny. <laughs> that I love funny. Because I, I haven't, I've, I was employing a technique of a friend of mine where, you know, I was like, I need to find people to interview. And it's like, I'm not asking a little ask of like, tell me about the last time you went on a cruise. I'm asking like, tell me about the shittiest time you had. You know? <laughs> so it, it takes some like pruning, you know, to find people to to participate. And so I was doing that and uh, I was employing my friend's technique where she was like, I search hashtags on Instagram. And I was like, you know, and she told me that months ago and I was like, well, that's, I should really try that. So I was doing that and got a little notification and I was like, oh, new follower. Let's go see who it is. And I was like, who's this? Who's this? <gasps> Wait. Oh, oh, oh. And I think I sent you that. I was like, I was clicking around and then you showed, it was like this weird, like, oh, look, here's a person. Why don't you check her out? You know? And, and, and I always feel like such like a, a guy at a bar of like, hey, I was looking at your profile, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what well, I've honestly probably never said yes to something so quickly that I knew very little about either. But same thing. I just thought I'm I'm trying to make something happen and I don't even know what it is yet. And here, you know, here Here comes just, this person in, in your DMs. <laughs> yeah. Although although I have to say last night I, I I almost canceled. I was having a major, major um what do you want to say? Moment of um imposter Mr. syndrome. syndrome. I knew yeah. you were going to say it. <laughs> I did. And and actually last night was like a perfect storm too. Like the baby was upset and she wasn't going to sleep and the internet went out like right at nine o'clock. And I was like, I was like, does the internet always go out at nine o'clock? Well, I can't even do this. I can't even do this. Podcast. <laughs> like I can't, I should just cancel. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, my husband, yeah. he, just, he is the calm to my storm. He's just like, whatever you, whatever you need to do. <laughs> like just tell me to do it no <laughs> right just whatever you need so what but is I'm, what um is he remind me again what, what does he do now so he's an orthopedic yes surgeon. that's yeah so how often is he working what's what's it like with um because i have four kids but my husband are entrepreneurs so it's like we have a weird wild schedule but it's not that weird and wild like what's his schedule like Sure. Well, like now or normally? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go six months ago. What was it? Like? <laughs> what okay. was, what's it like so in your say, family structure? Yeah. Um, it's infinitely better than um, residency. We, 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 like I said, we moved to a great community, and they have bent over backwards for us and um, appreciate having us in the community, and so it's been really good. So he. Um, has found a really great spot here in town. And so his schedule, um, he does clinic, you know, during the day, but it never goes late. And then he had usually two days of surgeries during the week. And again, when you're in residency and you're in a big hospital like Henry Ford, it's like he could be, I remember one time he was doing surgery till 3 a.m. And I was literally like trying to figure out if he was, coming home or what was happening. So some crazy moments, but here much more predictable schedule where, you know, surgery is probably going to wrap up and he's going to be home at a predictable hour by five, six in the evening, even on surgery days. Um, and then had half days on Fridays, which was nice. Um, again, well, he, you know, he's such a good man. And, and if there was somebody that needed him on a Friday afternoon, he would put him on the schedule, even though technically he wasn't supposed to be working. So, but often we'd have Friday afternoons to head out and go, you know, go away for the weekend. So really actually a nice schedule for him. Okay. Now what is it like? Well, and then before too, he would also, he, I mean, he took call, but it would be one, um, one day a week and one weekend a month. And even if he got called, very rarely would he have to even go in once in a while. But again, not like residency where he's getting up in the middle of the night and running all over all over town. Now they have stopped all elective surgeries. So things have been very, very quiet um, until now. And actually just today, um, our governor here in Minnesota has announced that they are going to be opening elective surgeries back up. And he's actually one of the people deciding 
and trying to make a plan as her how that's going to happen. So things have been a little quiet for him. He's still had some patients in clinic and emergencies that he's had to see. And now I suspect he'll have a lot of meetings and then slowly get back into being, um, you know, more full time back with his patients as we can get things uh, back up and rolling in a in a safe manner. Yes. So you said he's helping make the decision like for where he works or like on a, on a state level or is he? For where he works. Okay, where good. He works. Yeah. I was like, so, is he? Yeah. Is yeah. He... In accordance with what the governor is First, saying, but that, right. He's on like the team of like how we're going to roll out. <laughs> yeah. Roll out service again. Yeah. Yes. Everything. Absolutely. Yes. My, my mother has scheduled a surgery for the summer. Yes. I'm not sure. I was like, how did you schedule this a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> got to get back. I mean, you got to get back to normal life somehow. We're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have to figure it out. So before, you know, we're, we're getting, we're good on time here, but um, I wanted to know because you hinted at it like twice. And so like, let's deep dive in it for a second. What did you learn about alcohol? Like you said, it's, it's doing things to your body that you, you think it's doing, but it's actually doing the opposite and sugar. Like, I want to know, like, if you want to share the information that you learned about, like those two things with people listening, I'd, I'd love to hear it too. Sure. So I guess one of the things, um, well, there, there are so many parallels to both substances, which mm-hmm. is yes, <laughs> a little eye opening too. But, um, as far as alcohol specifically, I think, again, it's, it's, it's more society that makes you feel like if you're not drinking, it must be because you have a problem or you should be able to drink normally. Like as if, if it's, if that's, you know, it's, you're either one or the other, you're either a normal drinker or you're an alcoholic and there's nothing in between. So what I didn't realize with alcohol is there's actually more of a spectrum, if you will. Alcoholism is not, you know, it's not like a virus. You don't catch it. Um, And even though there can be a genetic component, alcohol is an addictive substance. So while society sort of tends to point at the person, right, as having the problem or somehow being defective because they can't drink normally, we don't tend to look at alcohol as the problem. It's poison. I mean, it's mm-hmm. ethanol. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fuel. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not in a good way. So yeah. So I thought that perspective uh, was really eye-opening. That we need to look at an addictive substance for what it is. Now, now the tricky part is, you know, that again, now each individual is not going to go down sort of the rabbit hole necessarily of addiction or even at the same pace. Now, like I said, looking back, I can say, did my use increase as time went on? For sure. But sometimes that's hard to identify and can happen very slowly. And for some people, it doesn't happen at all. But I think it happens more often than we realize, unless you're making a conscious decision to say, I have one drink a week. Mm -hmm. And that's that. And that's my one drink every week. And then for me, that just, you know, I thought about something like that too. It just takes up too much brain power. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a bigger like, <laughs> story about than what my one beverage is going to be. I just thought, forget it. Um, and also maybe just a little afraid of, you know, having one and wanting one more. And then one more turns into one more. So I, I thought that was pretty eye-opening how we sort of have to flip the script on you know, what's to blame? Not the person necessarily, you know, but the substance is a problem. And then as far as sugar goes, same thing with what we're, from what I'm starting to understand is particularly white processed sugar, white refined carbs can be addictive in nature. And again, every individual is different, but I would be willing to bet that there are listeners who if you really look at, you know, what you're consuming, I I was addicted and I had to look at it that way. I had to look at sugar as my addiction because it really was. I mean, and if you're sneaking, you know, five candy bars after your kids go to bed 
or like I would go donuts, baked goods. Still though, the smell, I have a hard time, but, but I can at least resist at this point. But, you know, instead of having one, how often was I going back to that box and just, it's like your hand goes for it and you're not thinking. So same thing, looking at sugar as an addictive chemical, it's, it's processed. It's not, you know, I'm not talking about anything naturally occurring. Uh, I'm talking about white processed sugar in particular, although I have cut out, I don't do added um, like honey or agave either. Um, but yeah, see, sort of seeing it for what it, what it is and it's put into food, you know, for a reason it's put in there to add to the flavor and to keep you coming back for more. And it's a little scary when you start to dive into it. And again, if anybody's looking for another resource, I watched um, the movie, That Sugar Film. And um, I'm a big documentary gal. I love the health documentaries. It sort of highlights the issues with sugar and also that it's just hiding out everywhere. I think that was one other thing, you know, that I had to realize was, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to give up candy and cookies. And then even I've got, again, like my husband looking at, drinks and like um what did he say oh where were we i can't even remember but a can of coke you know he grabbed it and looked at it he's like do you know how much sugar is in a can of coke like, yes yeah, man. <laughs> a lot <laughs> the problem yes the problem uh, is it's, and everyone it's like 46 grams <laughs> it's a, a lot can. it's more it's than lot. yeah it's mm-hmm. more than what they say you should have in a day in, in a day yeah right in one can and it's hiding out in spaghetti sauce and ketchup and things that are, you know, peddled to our children as healthy choices. And then you turn a, the package over, you know, these like um, yogurts and things that are, are, are marketed as a, a healthy choice. And then you turn it over and you look at the grams of sugar and it's just astonishing. So you have to look at the labels. But yeah, sort of, again, that eye opening to, uh, to what it really is. Right. It's a little... So, so I'm, I'm like, I have, I, I, I know this stuff. I haven't gone there yet. You know, like that we have a treat bucket, you know, like I have celiac, so I'm cut out of a lot of sweets right there. But like the family, I don't, the family can eat whatever. I can't feed six people gluten-free, just me. So, you know, we have, you know, there's like, I always have some cookies around. They're actually gone, you know, but what, I want to know because I, I don't know. I haven't lived a life where I've cut sugar out. Um, as you were saying, like you've cut out honey and agave nectar. So then you just make your own spaghetti sauce, which I'm totally, I make my spaghetti sauce. So like, tell me how, how like, how does that work in real life? Like, how do you, how do you, sure. yeah, you, do you make your own spaghetti sauce? Like, do you, I'm trying to think of what else is in, I mean, no, it's rice and beans and, you know, <laughs> like what are, how do you do the workarounds for those things like spaghetti sauce or whatever? Sure. So actually, I let my husband make the spaghetti sauce. (laughs) This is better than anything I can make. So he actually does as far as that goes. Uh Um, And then I I find alternatives. And I have to say, I have to be totally honest. My family is not sugar-free. Good grief. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think when I first sort of started diving into it, I think it was probably three in the morning one night. And I'm in the cupboard literally like with a trash bag throwing away everything. (laughs) Yeah. And my husband's like, you've gone crazy because I tend to sort of go all in on things very, very quickly. And, and sometimes that's a good trait, you know, and sometimes it's, it's too much, too much too soon for the people around me. And I can see that. And, you know, and my kids, so, but together, and he was very supportive though of like, okay, we really do need to cut this down, at least for the family. Very, very supportive. So helping me with that. And of course the kids complain and it's hard and you want to say yes to your kids and you want them to feel like they get a treat. And yeah, in real life, that's, that's hard to do. So I, I've learned, I have to focus on myself and lead by example and and slowly make changes for my family. You can't just force everybody to dive in with you. You know, it just doesn't work. I mean, that's kind of how I I didn't name it this at the time. Like I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to lead by example. But me cutting back drinking and redefining the whole relationship and just putting that like on major, like, 
whoa, we're redefining this. I never said anything to my husband about it. And of course, naturally, after me being in that process for, I forget how long he was like, yeah, I could see him slowly starting to drink less and less, you know, and now I can see it was leading by example, but I didn't know at the time, but that's similar. You know, we children pick up on that as well. They pick up on, I mean, we, my kids, they have a soda. I mean, there was a time when it was like once a year. Um, now we live in an actual city. So um, maybe, you know, at the movies, maybe a couple times a year, but it's this example. We, we, they never see their parents drinking soda. Right. The last right. however right. many years, you know, um, the only time we ever saw it was like if we made a drink with it, you know, so there was there was that exposure. But now, I mean, there's never these these are all sparkling waters from our local grocery store. You know, that's what our yep. fridge is stocked with. And our little one won't even like if you give her a Sprite, she goes that and spits it back out. She, she won't, Yeah. She and anything bubbly water, I think, too, you know, but she just like completely has no tolerance for it whatsoever but I mean she eats like crap anyway but I mean she's very much chicken nugget kind of five-year-old if you know what I mean I ha- <laughs> oh yes I have one of those yes yes <laughs> I have a five-year-old like that <laughs> yes the chicken nugget five-year-old yeah but I think just what you're saying is is you know not putting the the tyrant hammer down of like we are never having blah, 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 blah. but like oh you know mommy's making a choice and I'm not gonna have a cake and you know blah 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 it's 100% way more effective, I, in my, you know, non-professional opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, and it doesn't lead to that resentment. And I, so right now as well, during this particular quarantine time, they have dessert almost every day. That's something that we had cut way, way back on. Right now, all bets are off. Something to look for. Well, yeah, it's something yeah. to look forward to because there's yes. like nothing else. So, like, we go out for a drive. Can we go get Dairy Queen? You know what? Yeah. You know what? Can. Yeah. 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 One, yep, so I this agree. Is totally a different time. But aside from that, it's also, like I said, finding alternatives and they are out there. So, like the sauces, um, there are company. See, I'm not, I, as much as, yeah, I like to do homemade, um, that kind of thing. Like you said, you make your own spaghetti. I could, I'm not big into that. I don't mind cooking a little bit, but I'm, I ultimately end up cooking two different meals anyway, much of the time. So I'm, so I'm always looking for companies, somebody who's making the alternative for me. So instead of the, you know, the standard pasta off the shelf, I order pasta off Amazon that is a um, lentil pasta. So it's not a white refined pasta. Um, even down to, I have found, I've, I'm exploring um, like the alternative desserts. Now you have to be careful there too, because the artificial sweeteners, like the diet sodas, that's not good for you either. So that's not, not an option, not a good option. Um, so the only sweeteners I will use is anything that's sweetened with fruit or like monk fruit or stevia, which are both natural sweeteners, but they don't act like sugar in your body. So I'm learning. Again, it's education. Yeah. So what I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what, when you're saying that monk fruit and stevia don't act like sugars in your body, what, t- tell me a little more. Yeah. So um, I know for sure stevia is a zero calorie. I'm not sure about monk fruit. Um, as far as like adding calories to the food and then they don't spike your blood sugar, which is, which is the main concern. Those blood glucose levels that we know, you know, can lead to those spiked and increased levels over time, issues with diabetes and also with weight gain, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, a lot of companies like food companies, when they, when they wanted to make things low fat and that fat was sort of the villain, for such a long time, they would add sugar because you still have to have taste. The problem with sugar is you put it in your body and anything that you don't burn up right away for energy is then um, converted into fat. So, so there's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, talk and I'm not a nutritionist, so somebody could, you know, probably go into better detail on a, you know, physiological level, but I know enough about it. I have enough of a background to tell you that if you're holding excess weight or you're struggling with weight loss, you need to look at your sugar intake because any extra sugar that's not burned up immediately as fuel will be turned into fat. Um, and, And monk fruit and stevia don't do that. They don't spike your blood sugar in that way. Um, 
yeah, so they're, and so they're, and they're all natural. So they're not made in a lab. So you're looking at, right, something that's all natural um, versus like, I don't, I don't know a ton about, I know the artificial sweeteners are just, they're just bad yeah. for you. They, yeah, the cancer the pink, causing all sorts of things. Yeah, that are pink out stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then there's, then there's sugar alcohols and that is something I'm still trying to learn about. I made the mistake of trying to find an alternative dessert and I found a package of chocolates and I ate, I won't tell you, way too many, probably the whole package. <laughs> and it turns out they were sweetened with, it said stevia sweetened. I was like, this is great. Stevia sweetened chocolate, I, something I can have. Yeah. And I had the worst stomach issues. Well, it had sugar alcohol in it, erythritol. Now, I don't know what exactly that substance is. I, from what I've seen as a research, there's not a lot of negative side effects necessarily in the body, but it causes stomach distress. So I'm <laughs> like, well, that just doesn't seem like a good alternative. So I've, I've also said no thanks to those. And I'm really careful about watching for sugar alcohols now. I just won't touch them. But I found a few companies... Um, that makes sweets like chocolate and candies that just use monk fruit or stevia. So I, it's, it's all about finding the replacement. And, and I mean, the right answer is like no dessert is the best, right? Or if you could have a piece of fruit, yes. Anything that you can go towards, right. hundred percent whole food. If it doesn't have a label, then you don't have to worry about reading the label. Right. Yes. Right. So that's, I mean, ultimately the goal is to like get as close to that as possible. But let's be like realistic. Sometimes you just need a piece of chocolate. Yeah. And so, so for me, it's in real life, it's finding those, sniffing out those alternatives. And I'm, yeah, I'm finding what works for me. And I bring food with, which is kind of weird. Um, so like at Christmas time, like here I come with my, I literally brought a cooler. Yeah. A cooler and a bag of my stuff that I, that I live on. So, and being okay with sort of going against the social norm. And again, that reminds me so much of the alcohol mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be, you have to accept that you're going to be going against the social norm and it and it's going to make people uncomfortable. And that's still something that I struggle with. And like I said, I'm still testing the waters on because I haven't had to be in a lot of those situations where I'm expected to have a drink yet. And sugar can be the same way. Like you're really not going to have a piece of cake, cake. or, you yeah. know, at the wedding or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you have to be prepared for that as well. Yes. You, I I have that out on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. true. Yes. Yeah. That, um, but it's funny is I was always the one that, um, like if I go to a kid's birthday party and the grownups don't eat the cake and the mom is like, but I bought this big cake. And I'm like, I'll have some. It's okay. I'll have some, you know, like I will yeah. do it. I, I see you, mom. You bought the cake. I'm here to eat the cake. And now it like kills me where I'm like, I can't have your cake, you know? And it's like, I I'm know. not. It can be hard. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I'm not. Which I'm is not, weird. It's like, I know. I'm not in a fad diet or anything. I promise I'm gluten-free. And then I'm always like, it wasn't a choice. I have, a have to explain that. I yeah. have a disease. Oh, you don't want to hear about this. You know? Isn't that funny? It is. Yeah. It's like, why yes. should what I put in my body affect you? Yeah. But yeah. I totally understand that. You know, yeah. growing up, a lot of people, food is how we show mm -hmm. we care. Food is yes. love. I baked food this for you. Yes. And that's yes. hard. And that's something that is, you know, that's a struggle for me. Um, so I feel like I'm in a little bubble right now. We'll see what happens. That's right. Me. When you're, you're out of uh, like, I mean, I guess it's not newborn. What's the next baby stage? I don't know. Just baby, I guess. Just baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's just baby. <laughs> yeah. Because like, what is between? That's the first time I've ever thought of that. What's between newborn and toddler? I guess it's just baby. Baby time. Baby time. Yeah. So. You're, out of baby, you're out of the baby <laughs> bubble. Yeah. Well, as we're winding down here, was there anything else that we didn't, you know, touch on that you thought of like, oh, I want to make sure I talk about, you know, uh, I don't know. Something. <laughs> The healing, yeah, the healing benefit, the healing benefits of a backyard trampoline. I don't know; it could be anything. <laughs> I was like, no oh. trampolines. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think one thing that I did want to touch on, like I said, you know, the big thing was that you just there doesn't have to be a rock bottom, and you don't need anybody's permission to quit drinking or to to do the things that you know are going to improve your life or improve your health. But I think 
what's maybe even more important than quitting alcohol or quitting sugar, those were my things. Those were my things holding me back because health is so important to me. And everything we talked about with the drinking, um, that could be fast food for somebody else or, or whatever, like you said, whatever coping mechanism, shopping or whatever it is. So those were my things. But I think the important, you know, thing is you just have to sort of get sick and tired of your own crap or, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, like I said, the, the, the drinking thing, just, that was a big thing, but it was really the catalyst um, to the other changes I made because it made me realize I can do hard things and I can go against, you know, the social norm to sort of follow my I always talk about following my own true north. My brother-in-law can help me come up with that. It's, you know, following your own sort of north star, your own path, regardless of what you've always known or what you've always done. So I think even bigger than, you know, giving up this or that, or it, it's it's got to be so much more than that. It's got to be, you know, more about finding your own identity and, um, and, and, and going for that. And um, despite, you know, what other people might think or like I said, what what's considered acceptable or social norms. I think that's sort of the big picture I want to get across. Yeah. Um, and with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So at the end here, we like to do the business part of this all. Would you like to provide any avenues where people could reach out to you, um, you know, if they're wanting to ask you questions about the sugar or the alcohol or, or anything where people could find you that you mentioned that, you know, Instagram page that you made. Like yeah. Talk. So sure. That's uh, my main avenue right now. I've got, like I said, personal pages on Facebook and Instagram, but, um, but if you want to learn more about what we've just talked about, um, my Instagram is Dr. Wendy Slinkard. So it's dr. W-E-N-D-Y-S-L-I-N-K-A-R-D. And that is the particular page that I'm using for um, all things um, health-related, inspiration. You know, I'm big into personal growth and and uh, the no sugar movement and, and all of that. And certainly can send me a message on there as well. But cool. that would be the main spot. Yeah. Perfect. I always uh, forget... No, I always forget. That's not true. Sometimes I forget to also remind people. Um, oh, this oh, this is what I want to say is that will be on the show notes. You know, if you uh, are reading, reading, listening to this and you don't have a pen or you're driving, you can look back in the show notes and there's always like clickable links to find everybody. I've been wanting to mention that of like all people's information is at the uh, show notes of each episode. Um, and mine as well. Um, I am at LaJoy Society, which is L-A-J-O-I-E. S-O-C-I-E-T-Y, both um, Instagram and Facebook. And like I said before, I guess Twitter, but Twitter exhausts me. But it's there. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) reach out and let me know if you learned something today and tell me what that is. All right. uh, In sum, I'll say thank you so much, Wendy, for, you know, having this. I feel like we're totally new renegade moms of, you know, you're in your closet. I'm in the corner of our (laughs) bedroom and we're like having new kind of real talk, you know, and I appreciate I appreciate you taking a chance on this uh, DMs on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, same here. Thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much, Wendy. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense have felt so wrong and out of place now seem to fit perfectly to tell a story. is me